1: Episode 749 of the Al Goldie Podcast. It is Friday, January 26th, 2024. 32 years ago, today was the Redskins' last Super Bowl win. January 26th, 1992, the Skins defeated the Buffalo Bills 37-24 at the Metrodome. In Minneapolis, Minnesota, in Super Bowl 26, concluding what I believe, and I know many people believe, was the greatest season in franchise history. In fact, let us hear from the late, great Harry Callis of NFL Films in his five star narration of the 1991 skins. <laughs>
2: For the third time in 10 years, Joe Gibbs and the Redskins scaled the heights of football greatness. The 1991 Washington Redskins are an honor to the team's glorious past and the world champions of pro football's present.
1: There you go, classic stuff. Hello and welcome to this Friday installment of the Al Galdi podcast. The Skins in the NFL playoffs for the 1991 season defeated the Detroit Lions in the NFC Championship game. The Lions this season have finally made it back to an NFC Championship game, leaving Washington as the NFL franchise with the longest conference championship game (laughs) drought. Uh, But as the Lions prepare for their NFC championship game at the San Francisco 49ers this Sunday evening at 630, we on Thursday got even more reason to believe that the man who I want as the commander's next head coach and who I know many of you want as the commander's next head coach, Lions offensive coordinator Ben Johnson will be the commander's next head coach reports on Thursday that the team that had been seen as maybe the commander's biggest competitor to getting Ben Johnson, the Carolina Panthers is hiring Tampa Bay Buccaneers offensive coordinator Dave Canales as head coach and reports on Thursday that the Atlanta Falcons are hiring Los Angeles Rams defensive coordinator Raheem Morris as head coach. And both hirings became official on Thursday night. And so we are down to just two head coaching vacancies in the NFL. Those for the Commanders and Seattle Seahawks. This may well be the final weekend for the Commanders this offseason without a head coach. It may well be that we next week Get Ben Johnson as the commander's head coach. But regarding Raheem Morris, I gotta be honest, my initial reaction to Morris as a commander's head coaching candidate was okay, fine, but give me some Ben Johnson, (laughs) okay? Uh, However, it has struck me just how much people rave about Raheem Morris and the extent to which people who cover the commanders had referred to Morris as maybe the number two person in the team's head coaching race. Uh, What is it with Raheem Morris that has so many people talking so highly of this guy? Uh, Well, we are about to find out because next segment, I'm going to welcome to the show Rams insider Greg Beecham of the Associated Press. Uh, Greg knows the Rams really well, understands the dynamics and inner workings of the team really well, and he's going to explain to us what all of the fuss with Raheem Morris is about. We're also going to get into how the Rams have seemingly rebuilt on the fly, uh, and we're going to explore the Rams' F-them-picks philosophy (laughs) with the NFL Draft. Also on the show, the Wizards. Big news. On Thursday morning, monumental basketball president Michael Winger on Thursday morning announced that Wes Unseld Jr. was out as Wizards head coach. The Wizards later on Thursday morning named their lead assistant coach Brian Keith as interim head coach for the remainder of this NBA season. And the Wizards on Thursday night had a game uh, and they lost <laughs> that game, a one 108 loss. To the Utah Jazz at Capital One Arena. A lot to talk about with the Wizards. Uh, talk about them, I shall, later in the show. You can hit me up on x at Al Galdi. You can email me, the Al podcast at yahoo.com. From Mike on X, offer conversation on Tuesday's show, episode 746, with Dave Kluge, a writer and podcast host for Football Guys and Fantasy Pros. Dave told us about a study that he conducted on taking quarterbacks with top five picks in the NFL drafts, and we also got into how much of a requirement being a run threat is for a quarterback in today's NFL. Rights, Mike, on the dual threat quarterback, it is critical that the quarterback be an NFL-level threat passing the ball. I can cite numerous examples of primarily pocket quarterbacks who succeed, most recently Joe Burrow and C.J. Stroud. I can't think of a single example of a successful quarterback who could run but not pass. Being a threat running is a very nice bonus. Being a legitimate threat passing at the NFL level is a prerequisite. So many people fall in love with the athletic college quarterback and think that that automatically means dual threat it doesn't. The threat to pass is the essential trait. Uh, Thank you for that, Mike. Uh, No doubt the quarterback being able to throw the ball effectively is the most important thing. If the quarterback isn't good as a passer at the NFL level, then it don't matter (laughs) how fast he is. Uh, But where things get interesting is if you see a quarterback not necessarily being great as a passer at the NFL level right away, but he's dynamic as a run threat, does that make him worth taking over a guy who is further along as a passer but will never be a dynamic run threat? And this, in a lot of ways, is the crux of the Drake May-Jaden Daniels debate for the Commanders with their number two overall pick in the 2024 NFL Draft. Let's say that general manager Adam Peters and head coach Ben Johnson, question mark, uh, view North Carolina quarterback Drake May as right now being the better passer as compared to LSU quarterback Jaden Daniels. But clearly Daniels is the better run threat. May can move, may can run, but Daniels is dynamic as a run threat. Would Adam Peters and Ben Johnson, question mark, uh, see Daniels as a good enough passer right now to where his overall package of passing and running is greater than the overall package of May? Would Peters and Johnson see Daniels as being able to improve as a passer as time goes on, the way that, say, Baltimore Ravens quarterback Lamar Jackson has improved as a passer. But yes, clearly if the guy is a bad passer, then it does not matter what he is as a runner. And there also is the issue of what kind of a runner is the dynamic running quarterback. Like with Jaden Daniels, is he evasive and elusive and is smart at avoiding hits and can slide? Uh, Or is he like Robert Griffin III, uh, how he was as a runner, not shifty, not good at avoiding hits, and seemingly incapable of sliding properly. I could never get over how RG3, a tremendous athlete, right, could not execute a proper slide. I mean, I used to harp on this during his time as a Skins quarterback. I just could not get over it because he just could not do it, i.e., slide properly. Uh, I have received some emails recently. And wait for it the name. (laughs) Yes, the name of our football team, everybody's favorite topic. Uh, Now, it has been a while since we have talked about the name, and the name is something that a lot of people care about, myself included. Uh, The name is important. Uh, Email from Dave writes, Dave, as always, thank you for doing such a great podcast. It has been a while since I wrote in, but I wanted to share some thoughts on your take on the name issue. Correct me if I'm wrong, but it sounds as though you feel that another name change would not be productive. You have mentioned that there are no options other than Redskins, which isn't happening, that truly are good. I think there is a huge difference between not good and what Commander's is, which is absolutely putrid. I compare it to Twitter rebranding to X. I didn't like that rebrand either. I thought that it was dumb. I still don't love it, but over time, a part of my brain has started to say, okay, maybe I am getting used to X a little. And I guess if the people running X are trying to expand the scope of what Twitter slash X does, the name change kind of makes sense. But there is no part of my brain that has gotten used to Commanders. My conscious, my subconscious, heck, even my unconscious <laughs> hates the name Commanders just as much as I hated that name on 2.2.22. On top of that, Commanders has Dan Stink all over the name and has no good one-syllable version. I think that Commanders is both subjectively and objectively a bad name. Could they try again and completely whiff coming up with an equally bad name? Of course, but I do think that there are names out there that while they wouldn't be instant hits could grow on us over time the way that Commanders won't for many of us thanks again and looking forward to an exciting off season in which hope is restored uh, well thank you for that email dave uh, my official stance on another name change for the commanders is i get why people hate commanders i don't blame anyone for hating commanders but there is no new name that will generate widespread immediate acceptance. It's not that I think that another name change would not be productive. Another name change might be productive. It's just that I recognize this reality that there is no new name that will generate widespread immediate acceptance. Every potential new name is flawed because every potential new name isn't Redskins, which is the one name that would generate widespread acceptance. Not 100% universal acceptance, okay, but would generate widespread acceptance. There would be elation in the fan base if the team went back to the name Redskins. Trust me on that. But the team is not going back to that name. The Josh Harris group has made that clear. By the way, I do believe that the Josh Harris group would go back to that name if the Harris group could go back to that name. But I think that the Harris group knows that the NFL would not be on board with the team going back to that name. So Redskins is not coming back. Put aside how you personally feel about the name Commanders. The question for the Josh Harris group is this. Is Commanders as a name viable? Will the name over time grow in acceptance and maybe even (laughs) likability? Or are most fans in the camp of the emailer Dave who despises the name Commanders and never will come around to the name? Also, would the team doing well increase the acceptance and likability of Commanders? Or is the name so awful, so reprehensible, so detestable that the name will never truly be accepted or liked? This is what managing partner Josh Harris and the rest of the Josh Harris group have to assess. Is there viability with the name commanders? Because I can tell you this, if the name changes to, say, Red Wolves or Hogs or whatever, there will be people who hate those names, too. I know of people who hate Red Wolves. I don't personally mind it, but my good friend, Kevin Sheehan, for instance, he can't stand the name Red Wolves as a potential name uh, for our football team. There is no perfect new name. There is no magic bullet new name. That has been maybe the biggest problem with this whole name issue. Email from Kevin Lunn writes, Kevin, hey Al, thanks. For all of the continued daily coverage of everything Commanders, I'm pumped about the Adam Peters hire. Question for you, and I know that a lot of folks probably don't care, but assuming that Josh Harris doesn't change the name from Commanders, which is still awful and and hasn't grown on me at all, do you think that he'd at least consider a complete revamp or rebrand for the team? The W logo... I like the burgundy helmet, but that block W is bad. No apparel with that logo looks good. The uniforms, I think that all three could be so much better. In particular, the white one has a completely different color red. It looks more like the Arizona Cardinals than anything else. Why are the numbers red with black trim? I'd love it if we brought back the old skins uniforms, like the one that Major Tutty wears. Major Tutty, by the way, is a great mascot name. Nothing, though, about the current logo or uniform is exciting to me. Anyway, I know that there are many more pressing needs, but I wanted to get your take on if you think that it's possible that we get a Commander's rebrand even if the name sticks. Uh, Thank you for the email, Kevin. Uh, I think that that is very possible. I think that a revamping of the logos, the uniforms, all of that stuff is entirely possible even if the team doesn't change from the name Commander's. Changing that stuff would be a lot easier than uh, changing the name for sure. Now, who would run such a change? That's another question to consider in all of this. Where are we with the team president Jason Wright? There has not been much out there about the status of Jason Wright moving forward. Is he in fact staying? Is Josh Harris retaining Jason Wright to preside over potentially another name change and/or potentially another revamping of the logo, uniforms, etc.? Uh, or is Josh going to be firing Jason in the coming months? Is Josh going to have Jason help in the finalizing of a deal for a new stadium, being that Jason has been on that for years now, and then fire Jason? Is there perhaps a deal in place by which Jason is leaving the team once a deal for a new stadium is finalized? Uh, There's a lot that's up in the air with commander's business operations, but to me, And I'm guessing to most of you, that stuff takes a backseat to what is going on with Commander's football operations right now. And hopefully what's going on with Commander's football operations right now leads to Washington playing on a conference championship Sunday sometime soon. uh, The NFL's conference championship Sunday for the 2023 season is upon us. And I have a conference championship Sunday parlay for you courtesy of Crab Sports, which is Maryland's number one sports book. You can visit crabsports.com or download the new Crab Sports app, which is available in both the App Store and Google Play. Crab Sports is the only sports book that offers special boosts and parlays on all DMV area teams. If you follow Washington, D.C. area sports, Crab Sports is tremendous. And know this, Crab Sports is offering a $500 first bet insurance promo for new customers. Place your first bet of up to $500, and if it loses, Crab Sports will pay you back in a free bet. So you have a second chance to win, a second chance to make money money. Uh, Join Crab Sports now with the promo code Galdi, G-A-L-D-I, my last name, Galdi. So CrabSports.com or the Crab Sports app, promo code Galdi. My conference championship Sunday parlay consists of two over-unders. We have the AFC championship game, the Kansas City Chiefs at the Baltimore Ravens this Sunday afternoon at three, over-under per Crab Sports, 44 and a half. I am going over. Everyone is going under. I'm going over. Uh, We have the NFC championship game, the Detroit Lions at the San Francisco 49ers this Sunday evening at 630, over-under per Crab Sports, 50 and a half. I'm going over. Crab Sports is offering boosted odds on that parlay from plus 244 to plus 285. Over, over on the two conference championship games with boosted odds. Take advantage of this. Join Crab Sports now with the promo code GALDI, G-A-L-D-I, my last name, GALDI. Go to crabsports.com or download the Crab Sports app and use that promo code GALDI. Crab Sports is outstanding, and Crab Sports wants to remind you to please play responsibly. For help, visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER. Hey, if you enjoy this podcast, check out BGO Blind Pig, the official podcast of BGObsession.com. BGO Blind Pig is a roundtable discussion of all things Washington Commanders football. Lots of good and passionate Commanders Conversation. From Commanders fans who know the team well, you can find the BGO Blind Pig podcast on YouTube, on Apple Podcasts, or on any major podcast provider. Make BGObsession.com the home for your burgundy and gold obsession, and make the BGO Blind Pig podcast one of your weekly DC football listens. Uh, It may well be true. That the commanders hiring Detroit Lions offensive coordinator Ben Johnson as head coach is inevitable. Uh, I certainly hope that that is the case. And so it may well be true that these reported interviews of other head coaching candidates that the commanders have conducted this week and will be conducting next week are time fillers, okay? Uh, but the commanders are conducting these interviews. We on Thursday show, episode 748 spoke with Texans insider Sean Bajani of Sports Radio 610 KILT in Houston about Texans offensive coordinator Bobby Slowick, who the commanders this past Tuesday reportedly interviewed for a second time. It was on Monday that we had multiple reports of the commanders in the coming days being set to conduct second interviews with Baltimore Ravens assistant head coach slash defensive line coach Anthony Weaver, Dallas Cowboys defensive coordinator Dan Quinn, and Los Angeles Rams defensive coordinator Raheem Morris, who had been discussed by people who cover the commanders as perhaps the number two person in the team's Head coaching sweepstakes, Uh, NFL insider Jeremy Fowler on Thursday afternoon reported that the commanders on Wednesday conducted a second interview of Morris, but we later on Thursday afternoon had multiple reports that the Atlanta Falcons are hiring Morris as their head coach. People rave about Raheem Morris in a manner in which you rarely hear people rave about NFL coaches. And so as we wait on what's happening next week, the commander is reportedly going to the Detroit area to conduct second interviews with Ben Johnson and Lions defensive coordinator Aaron Glenn. Let's talk some Raheem Morris. Uh, Are people like me who very much want Ben Johnson to be the commander's next head coach missing the boat? on Raheem Morris. Uh, Raheem Morris was with Washington years ago. He was the Redskins defensive backs coach for the 2012 through 2014 seasons. His time as Skins DBs coach followed his first stint as an NFL head coach. He was the Tampa Bay Buccaneers head coach for the 2009 through 2011 seasons. His regular season record as Bucs head coach was just 17 and 31. But of course, 2009 through 2011 was a long time ago. Morris was with the Atlanta Falcons from January 2015, To January 2021. He for the Falcons served in a variety of roles, including interim head coach, assistant head coach, defensive coordinator, and receivers coach. So his background isn't purely defense. In fact, Morris was the Falcons receivers coach for the team's 2016 NFC Championship season. Uh, He has been the Rams defensive coordinator since January 2021. He has been endorsed big time by two other former members of the Skins coaching staff, two former Skins offensive coordinators, San Francisco 49ers head coach Kyle Shanahan and Rams head coach Sean McVay each has said that if he had to hire a head coach this offseason, he'd hire Raheem Morris. Additionally, Rams general manager Les Snead in his season-ending press conference on January 19th, unsolicited, brought up Raheem Morris and gave him a big time endorsement as a head coaching candidate. Take a listen.
3: I do want to say, I do want to say, uh, talk about Raheem just because I know he's interviewing for just about every head coaching job in the NFL right now. And it's been three years, but what I do, I haven't had a lot of opportunities to talk about him. Number one, I think we all know great human being. Uh, the guys coded to let's call it respect everyone to build a relationship with everyone, no matter where you're at in the organization. And what's awesome is, is as he does that, you just see the respect flow back in his direction. And that's just, that's just, he's coded for that. He's, it's a, it's a superpower that I think would help any organization. He's highly intelligent human being who happened to choose football and probably could have done a lot of things in life, but I chose the path of football. Uh, I remember when he came here to be our defense coordinator, uh, having a relationship with Rich McKay in Atlanta and Rich said, wow, what a unique experience and let's call it unique football acumen that he had based on he's coached in a defensive room he's actually coached in an offensive room I and mean, whether he was a mentee learning whether he was partnering with people whether he was mentoring and leading others you know you, those great tampa defenses that great uh atlanta offense that nearly pulled off a super bowl win I mean, he was in the offensive room he was in those defensive rooms so there there's not many coaches uh on the planet right who's been in Both of those rooms on those two sides of the ball, he's going to he's going to build up. He's going to give any organization an edge and just how collaborative he is. It's going to be it's going to be an edge that uh, most teams aren't going to be able to compete with. I know this. He'll be able to hire an unbelievable staff. Every coach who's any good, who's qualified, who wants they're going to want to work for Raheem. And I'm pretty sure there'll be a lot of tampering charges because just about every player in the NFL is going to text him and want to come play for him. I'll let the NFL handle that. But I I haven't had a lot of chance, uh, a chance to. To sit down and and let people know what I really think of of that human being. What he did for us during the Super Bowl run, calling the defense in some of those games, that speaks for itself. I do think if you're looking for a coach this year, what he did with our defense uh, and how they evolved, and how even when they were taking on water in some games during uh, first halves, the adjustments that were made at halftime, and just also just psychologically calming everyone down. Okay, it's going to be all right. And we played some unbelievable second halves with, I mean, the I'm sure we'll talk about it today, right? The How that defense was built and, and the, let's call it the less than experience that they had. But that's, uh I want to talk about Ra before we get started on uh, maybe the 2023 season.
1: Yeah, so how about all of that strong praise for Raheem Morris for the man known as Ra? Uh, from less need. For more on Raheem Morris, I'm very pleased to welcome to the Al Goldie podcast, Rams Insider Greg Beecham of the Associated Press. You can follow Greg on X at Greg Beecham. Hey, Greg, how are you? Hey, Al, I'm well. How are you? Thanks for having me on. I'm doing well. Uh, thank you for coming on. So, all of this glowing praise for Raheem Morris, is it justified? Absolutely. I mean, I've been
2: covering the NFL here and there for 20 years, and I've only come across two assistant coaches who seemed like they should be head coaches more more so than 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 uh, than all, uh, so many other guys who get jobs. I, I'd say I'd say Raheem Morris, and I'd say Jim Mora, the former, you know, uh, defensive coordinator of the San Francisco 49ers. There's just certain guys who have a way about them, and a leadership quality, and a breadth of knowledge of the game that just tells you that they they will succeed in that position if they get the right opportunity with the right people around on them. Raheem's one of those guys. I mean, just to meet him is, is to know that he can, he can do this job, that he can be a leader of men, that he can be a guy who implements uh, you know strategies and, and and puts things in place to win football games. He's a really impressive coach, a really impressive person with an incredible breadth of knowledge, and he has absolutely earned another
1: opportunity to be a head coach in this league. The leadership thing comes up a lot with Raheem Morris. Adam Peters on January 16th at his introductory press conference as commander's general manager cited leadership as the number one thing that he's looking for in the team's next head coach. In what specific ways has Raheem Morris as Rams defensive coordinator shown himself to be a great leader? Uh, there's there's stuff on the field. There's stuff off the field. This year has
2: been an example of both with the Rams because you look if anybody who looks at the roster, of the Los Angeles Rams, particularly on defense, will have no idea how they managed to be a competent defense in the middle of the NFL pack, let alone a defense on a playoff team that did well. And it's it's down to Raheem Morris largely both on and off the field. On the field, he he implements strategy. He put together a scheme that takes over the last three years has taken pieces of Brandon Staley's scheme that he implemented with, with the league's number one defense of 2020. Raheem came in, took that scheme, tweaked it to the players that he had made it work this year. When he had less talent than he ever had, when they let, they let guys go on every level of that defense, Jalen Ramsey, Leonard Floyd, Bobby Wagner, just the entire starting secondary. Basically he put together a scheme that not only kept the Rams competitive, but was really good down the stretch and was winning and was making stars out of two rookies who nobody thought was going to be stars. Uh, Leading, you know, they they finished one two in the rookie sack race. That's Kobe Turner, the nose tackle, and Byron Young, the I'm the linebacker. These, this all just came out of nowhere. But then off the field, he's also a leader of men. I mean, he's just he's got a charisma about him. He's got a a a, uh, a confidence about him. He's got a maturity about him. He's over forty years old. You can tell he you know he's been around a while and he's seen everything. He knows what to do. He just comes across on and off the field as a leader of men and a guy who can who can win a lot of football games if you put the right situation around him.
1: You just answered at least part of this next question, but three seasons for Raheem Morris as Rams defensive coordinator. If you look at the Rams ranking for total defense for DVOA in each of those regular seasons 2021, number three, 2022, number 18, 2023, number 22. Now, how a coach does is about more than just statistical ranking. So give us some context, if you would. How has Morris done as Rams defensive coordinator? He's done incredibly. He had a lot more talent to work with the first three years, and he won the Super
2: Bowl. And the second year, there were a lot of injuries, and everything sort of went went to pot with that. And that that's uh that's down to both both the way that the Rams structured their roster and what what kind of tightrope they were walking on at that point in twenty twenty two, and also just the dumb luck of injuries. There's just things you can't do about certain things. Having said that, the defense was still competent last year. It was just it was just losing Matthew Stafford and losing you know a lot of offensive talent that. Pretty much did in the Rams in 2022. I mean, through all that, he's had a good defense. He's had a quality defense. And the thing—the thing to remember about Raheem is that he's not just a defensive coach. He was an offensive coach in Atlanta before he—before uh, he came to Los Angeles. He was—he was—he was, uh, was on the offensive side of the ball for a while. So he's done both. He's also been the head coach of Tampa Bay. You know, he, he's done both sides of the ball. So he's—he's he's a defensive mind and he's a defensive guru. But he also has a breadth of knowledge that if you're just hiring a coordinator who's only worked on one side of the ball, that you're not going to get. That
1: you will get with. That Raheem Morris has had multiple NFL head coaching stints, uh, the run with the Bucks for the 2009 through 2011 seasons, and then serving as Falcons interim head coach for 11 games in the 2020 season. How much do you think that him being a quote unquote retread worked against him in getting another NFL head coaching job prior to getting this Falcons head coaching job?
2: I think it's always a factor when somebody gets one opportunity to get a second opportunity in this league because the league's so, you know, everybody wants to hire the next Sean McVay. Let's be honest. They look at the best offense, the guy who's calling some plays that are really working and says, you know, I got to have that guy because I want the next Sean McVay. I want the next Kyle Shanahan. I don't want to just, you know, I don't want to just swing for a double. I want to try to hit a three-run homer. So... I think it worked against him because he already had an opportunity. People already had a chance to judge him on, on what he could do with that team, that Tampa Bay team, which was not, you know, it was, it was a pretty decently talented team. It had, had some things going for it, and it couldn't win for a lot of reasons. He's talked about it at length, but he was so young. That's the thing. He, Like you said, he was in his 30s. You know, he, he got an opportunity before almost anybody expected he would. He did some good things, he did some bad things. He said he said he has said he deserved to be fired. He said things were not going the way he wanted them to go. And since then, he's been learning, he's been growing he's worked with some really great coaches he's done some stuff in Atlanta that that broadened his depth of knowledge he was the interim head coach there and made some real progress with a team that was in chaos and uh, I think it's hurt him that, that he got this opportunity so early but you know It only takes one front office to overcome that and realize that that experience can actually be an asset. You don't have to, you know, you don't have to get the next Sean McVay right away or bust. You you can go somewhere in between with a guy who's a leader of men, a guy who has a broad depth of knowledge, a guy who will attract a lot of good assistant coaches, and a guy who has everything in place to be a winner if he has the players around him.
1: Much more with Greg Beecham on Raheem Morris in moments. Uh, The personality of Raheem Morris certainly seems to be great, perhaps as great as the great law firm. Of Paulson and Ace. Paulson and Ace fights for victims like no other law firm does. Chris Nace, Matt Nace, and the rest of the team do excellent work if you feel that you've been wrong. If you think that you've been wrong but aren't sure, call Paulson and Ace at 202 902 7611. Schedule a no obligation appointment. And when you call, make sure that you tell Paulson and Ace that Al Goldie sent you. If you have a case, contact. Paulson and Nace. Paulson and Nace is a Washington, D.C. based family law firm that handles medical malpractice, personal injury, birth injury, legal malpractice, and consumer protection cases, offering aggressive advocacy for victims in Washington, D.C. and West Virginia. Paulson and Nace provides passionate advocacy on behalf of injury victims designed to help them and their families move forward after the most difficult of times. And Paulson and Nace is excellent at what it does. Paulson and Nace has covered millions of dollars for the sick and injured. Heck, Paulson and Nace has taken on Big Pharma and the U.S. government and won. Two verdicts versus Merrill Dow totaling $132 million. Bradley versus the United States of America. Paulson and Nace with a case for which the U.S. government had to pay nearly $1.8 million. If you have a case, contact Paulson and Ace. Call 202 902 7611. That's 202 902 7611. And when you call, tell Paulson and Ace that Al Goldie sent you. You can also visit Paulsonandace.com. Just don't forget to tell Paulson and Ace that Al Goldie sent you. Paulson and Ace, when tragedy happens, let the family of Paulson and Ace take care of your family. More now with Rams insider Greg Beecham of the Associated Press on Raheem Morris as a head coaching candidate for the Commanders, although that head coaching candidacy uh, now is done with Morris getting the Falcons head coaching job. You know, Greg, there is such irony with the Sean McVay phenomenon because it, of course, worked against Raheem Morris getting another NFL head coaching job, even though Morris has been on McVay's coaching staff for three seasons and has been endorsed big time by McVay, who, of course, was hired as Rams head coach in January 2017 off being an offensive assistant for the Skins for seven seasons, including being the Skins offensive coordinator for the 2014 through 2016 seasons. To the Commanders fan listening to this who says, yeah, all of this stuff about Raheem Morris sounds nice, but I want me the next Sean McVay. I want me some Ben Johnson or Bobby Slowick as the Commanders next head coach. You say what?
2: Yeah, I mean, there's logic. There's logical reasons behind that line of thinking, which is what a lot of fans have, and which is what a lot of executives have in this league too. I mean, like we were talking about earlier, everybody wants the next wants the next Sean McVay. I guess that's Ben Johnson at this point. You know, everybody thinks they've got a guy who's going to come in is going to score a ton of points, is going to revolutionize the team, is going to make all the players look way better than they actually are or have been for the last few years. And that's that's what that's the dream. And and if you're not in sports to chase the dream, what are you in it for? But the thing is thing is Raheem gives you gives you much more than that. You know, he, it's, it's it's a question of, of your priorities. It's also a question of who's available and who you can get. And what you can get from Raheem is a guy who's done a lot of different things, a guy who's been a lot of different places, a guy who's seen a lot of things at work, a guy who's been working for Sean McVay for three years and is not just the defensive coordinator. He knows every bit of what goes on in that team and how Sean prepares game plans and how Sean gets ready to win and how Sean coached an offense that won the Super Bowl. I mean, he had help with that, but that's, that's Sean's baby, and Raheem was right there watching it the whole time, day-to-day, week to week, knowing what works and what doesn't, and you know, and also having access to assistant coaches who can implement versions of, of stuff that works like that, having access to guys who know their, know their stuff and, and would probably want to work for Raheem because it would be a great opportunity because you can't meet a guy who hasn't worked with Raheem and says that's a great guy who is, who is a leader of men and who can do a great job. So you're not getting the Ben Johnson, you're not getting the Sean McVay, you're not getting the Kyle Shanahan, but you're getting a guy who will put you in position to have all those things and plus a lot more.
1: Yeah, I had to laugh at the less need comments, him saying that Raheem Morris would generate tampering charges and building a coaching staff given his many relationships.
2: Yeah, exactly. I mean, just think about where he goes back to. He's been in the league since he was a young, young, young man. He's, he's not old now. He's, he's right in the prime of his coaching career. He's going to have access to a lot of guys. And the Rams really want him to get an opportunity. That's how you can tell how well they think of Raheem because they do not want to lose him as defensive coordinator. If they were thinking purely selfishly, they would not pump him up because he's done a spectacular job over the last three years. He's going to be really hard to replace. There's not an obvious successor to him in the in that building right now. There's a couple guys out on the street that might help out. They've already been thinking about this. But they think so highly of Raheem and they think so highly of what he does in the game and what he can bring to another organization that they're willing to stump for him really hard over the the past two years.
1: I do want to ask you a few non Raheem Morris questions, if you don't mind, as we have the commanders revamping their football operations. The Rams are such an interesting case study for a variety of reasons specific to this season 10 and 7 in the regular season and a playoff appearance uh, this off going 5 and 12 in the 2022 regular season. The Rams seemingly have rebuilt on the fly. How'd they do that?
2: There were four factors, and they were all vital. Uh, having Sean your head coach is the most obvious one. I mean, he's the, he's the resourceful, resilient guy, a really good coach, one of the best to ever do it in this century. Uh, having Raheem Morris as your defensive coordinator to get something out of that defense that I looked at and was like, this might be the worst defense in the NFL during the preseason, just man for man looking at the talent. And they have not gone up a whole lot in man for man talent. You know, uh, estimation during the season, just that Raheem got a lot out of them. Like I said, he made stars out of rookies. He figured out a way to cover some pretty average players in the secondary he figured out a way to put them in position to win games and to adjust at half the the Rams halftime adjustments were incredible on defense this year over and over again they did a great job stopping things down the down the stretch and then the two other things that really worked for the Rams was Matthew Stafford was healthy for pretty much the entire season he missed one and a half games and he had a much improved offensive line they they added two uh, offensive guards who made a world of difference from a unit that was really bad last year and and uh, prevented them from establishing a consistent run game and had Stafford running for his life every week in 2022. So those were the four things that worked out the best. The most important is obviously having, a, having an elite quarterback healthy makes all the difference in the world, but all those other pieces in place are why they were able to win 10 games somehow out of a roster that I did not think was going to win 10 games before the season.
1: The Rams roster construction. The Rams, of course, have become famous for the NFL draft philosophy of F them picks. Uh, The Rams, for those who don't know, have not taken a player with a first round pick in an NFL draft since taking quarterback Jared Goff with the number one overall pick. In the 2016 draft, the Rams are in the midst of an eight-year first-round pick drought 2016 through 2023 in terms of taking a player with a first-round pick. Uh, Now, the Rams have made some great non-first-round picks in recent years, but this mantra, F them picks. That philosophy helped the Rams win the Super Bowl for the 2021 season. Heck, less need at the Rams Super Bowl parade and rally <laughs> in February 2022 wore a t-shirt that actually said F them picks. And he in his speech at the rally actually said F them picks. Take a listen.
2: So in honor of the shirt, F them
3: picks will use them to go win more Super Bowls. <laughs>
1: Yeah, F them picks. Uh, Greg, what is your take on the F them picks philosophy?
2: It's a different way of doing business. It works for the Rams. I'm not sure how much it would work for other people because uh, they they managed to to push it was like a poker game and they managed to push all their assets into the one round when they really needed them and then they went all in when they had a winning hand and they ended up winning the jackpot and uh you know the trouble with that is there's always another hand and you got you gotta move on after that and that's what happened in 2022 they lost a lot of the a lot of the uh traction that they had they had to give up some guys they had to give up some more guys this year and that's why they had a less talented roster this year but having said that the thing that, that if you have a good coaching staff in place if you have good uh, Weight bearing walls, as Les Snead calls them. You have Matthew Stafford. You have Cooper Cup. You have Aaron Donald. If you have good pillars of your team, if you've drafted well at that point, you can do you can do a lot with with uh, the supporting cast you put around them. And uh, and then he hasn't. The thing the other thing about Les is like he hasn't made his first round picks, but he also has doesn't have a spectacular record in the middle rounds. He's had some hits, he's had some misses, and uh for a while they were really struggling to, to get something out of their out of their two draft classes right after the Super Bowl. They were they weren't doing a lot. This year they managed to hit, obviously, really big on, on a bunch of things. They hit on they hit on Puka Nakua, who was the twentieth receiver draft at the last pick of the fifth round. Just, you know, they saw <laughs> something there. Sean McVay talked about how he saw something there. They grabbed him, and he became you know the greatest rookie wide receiver in NFL history. They grabbed Kobe Turner and Byron Young and revitalized their pass rush—a pass rush where they gave away pretty much everybody around Aaron Donald. They managed to hit on on Kyron Williams a year ago. He was hurt a lot of his rookie year when they were bad. Uh, so you can get you can do that. It's it's a it's a dangerous way to live. It's it's a high stakes gambling way to live. They've managed to temper that now, and they're doing they're a little more you know even even. Healed. uh let's let's see if I actually make his first round pick this year he's got one in three months and he's 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 still saying it's too early to tell whether he's actually
1: going to use it or whether he's going to trade back because he loves to keep that open but uh but they're actually
2: getting back to a little more conventional model of drafting and, and talent development and having said that if you can pull that off uh you you can you can supplement that with the
1: big picks with the big risks and, and they've managed to do that really well over, over Sean McVay's tenure Les need has been the Rams general manager since February 2012. So he was the GM when the Skins and Rams made the famous RG3 trade in March 2012. The Skins, in order to move up from the number six overall pick, in the 2012 NFL Draft to the number two overall pick with which the Skins took quarterback Robert Griffin III, traded the number six overall pick, 2013 and 2014 first round picks into 2012 second round pick to the Rams who ended up not getting all that much out of those picks. I've always wondered if Sneed's experience with that trade has been a major reason for his uh, F them picks philosophy exactly i think the nfl is an industry
2: overvalues draft picks in terms of it's particularly first round draft picks as we all know i mean yeah he was part of that he saw that i think it probably did make an impact on him a lot of things that happened while he was working you know a decade ago in the front office in front office shaped shaped his his response to what he does now i'm not sure exactly what what length because he doesn't like to talk about you know oh i did this i did this i did this he likes to talk about the future he's the guy who looks forward and uh i I think what he what he learned from those times is yeah it, it's it's a good opportunity to go in when you got a chance but you also have to build a base a foundation for the future I think he thought he was doing that while he was still taking all the risks trading two first round picks for Matthew Stafford trading two first round picks for Jalen Ramsey I think he thought he was building a base with his with his uh, lower round picks they didn't really work out a lot during the middle of of McVeigh's tenure and there weren't a lot of a lot of a uh, big-time contributors that he got there. They've come around in the last two years. They're starting to build again from the middle of the draft. Now they have a first-round pick. We'll see where
1: they go. It's going to be exciting. Great stuff. Rams insider Greg Beecham of the Associated Press. Greg, thank you, and have a great weekend. No problem, Al. Thank you. All right. Well, as the Commander's Head Coaching Search and their super important 2024 offseason continues, make sure that you're listening to this podcast. And if you're on Instagram, make sure that you're following at WSH on the daily. WSH on the daily just started in 2021 and yet has more than 24,000 followers and is literally daily. The page is updated every day. Uh, All kinds of good stuff on the Commander's Head Coaching Search. Uh, WSH on the Daily is a page that properly sources and vets its news and information. doesn't just post anything that anyone says. Uh, WSH on the Daily is a great place at which you can converse with other Commander's fans regarding the team, the draft, free agency, and trades. Uh, WSH on the Daily responds to every single DM. Uh, WSH on the Daily is a page at which you can have fun, including the content Name that Redskin and free wallpaper Wednesday. And WSH on the Daily always has a great fresh look. If you're on Instagram, check out at WSH on the Daily and check out at WSH on the Daily's online shop, WSH on the uh, Some outstanding gear, shirts, hoodies excellent material, modern look. Uh, These are breathable and comfortable clothes and they come with all kinds of looks. Some of the more popular shirts are those with the phrase fight for old DC. So for smart, informative, fun and engaging commanders content, check out at WSH on the daily on Instagram and for great merch, visit WSH on the daily.com. If you happen to be listening to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, you can write a review of the podcast saying that you like it. The review can be just a sentence or two, but the reviews help out the podcast a lot. Thank you for doing them. It's funny how things work out. Thursday was January 25th, 2024. It was the two-year anniversary of (laughs) one of the worst losses in Bullets slash Wizards history. January 25th, 2022, a 1-16, Wizards loss to the Los Angeles Clippers at Capital One Arena. Uh, the Wizards in this game blew a 35-point second quarter lead. The Wizards began the game on a 26-8 run and never trailed in the game until the closing seconds of the game. The Wizards lost the fourth quarter 40-22 and lost the second half 80-49. The Clippers, 35-point come-from-behind win, tied for the second-largest come-from-behind NBA regular season win in the play-by-play era, which is since the 1996-1997 season. The closing seconds of this game were a joke. The Wizards committed a five-second violation for a turnover with 8.2 seconds left in the fourth quarter off a timeout as Kyle Kuzma failed to get off The inbounds pass. The Wizards then gave up a four point play to Luke Kennard with 1.9 seconds left in the fourth quarter as he connected on a 27-foot pull-up three near the top of the arc to tie the game at 115, was found by Bradley Beal, and then made the free throw to give the Clippers a 116-115 lead. And then Kyle Kuzma committed an out-of-bounds bad pass turnover on an inbounds pass as he chucked the ball out of bounds. This hideous loss happened on January 25th 2022. And it was on January 25th, 2024, that the Wizards head coach at the time of that loss, Wes Unseld Jr., was ousted as Wizards head coach. Monumental basketball president, Michael Winger, he on Thursday morning announced that Wes Unseld Jr. was out as Wizards head coach. Uh, The press release issued by the Wizards said that Wes would, quote, transition from his role as head coach of the Washington Wizards into a front office advisory position, end quote. Uh, It was just this past October that we had the news of the Wizards having exercised their option on Wes for next season, the 2024-2025 season. Well, so much for that contract option, having been picked up. So West now has this uh, likely meaningless front office advisory position because he's under contract uh, for another season. The press release put out by the Wizards on Thursday morning ended by saying that the Wizards this coming offseason would engage in, quote, a comprehensive search, end quote, for a new head coach. And the Wizards later on Thursday morning named their lead assistant coach Brian Keefe as interim head coach for the remainder of the 2023-2024 NBA season. Uh, the Wizards this past July named Keith as their lead assistant coach. He has spent time as an assistant coach with the New York Knicks, Los Angeles Lakers, Oklahoma City Thunder, and Brooklyn Nets. Wes Unseld Jr. had a regular season record of 77 and 130 as Wizards head coach. Uh, The Wizards, as we on this podcast so often discuss, are a rebuilding team and a tanking team. Uh, so ousting Wes Sunsell Jr. really doesn't mean much. Uh, this Wizards season was never about wins and losses. It was always about developing some young players and perhaps getting back some assets by a trade. We have seen some young Wizards players do reasonably well this season. Guys like Danny Abdia Bilal Koulibaly, and Corey Kispert. But Koulibaly lately had not been doing well. And one of his worst games of the season happened on Wednesday night, the night before, Wes Unseld Jr was removed as Wizards head coach. Koulibaly was not good in the Wizards 118-107 loss to the Minnesota Timberwolves at Capital One Arena on Wednesday night. There may not be a player on the Wizards roster more significant right now than Bilal Koulibaly. So he was trending in the wrong direction, had an especially bad game on Wednesday night. And then Wes Sill Jr. out as Wizards head coach on Thursday morning. Hard for me to ignore that timeline. And we have this. Brian Keith has drawn praise from Kevin Durant for Keith's work with Durant during their time together with the Nets. So perhaps Keith is seen by the Wizards as a better player development coach than Wes Unsell Jr. Uh, Something that never happened for the Wizards with Wes as their head coach was them becoming better defensively. And they were supposed to be better defensively with Wes as their head coach. The Wizards on July 17th, 2021 announced the hiring of Wes Unseld Jr as the 25th head coach in franchise history. I'm not going to be a phony about this. I was happy about the hire in large part because of Wes's reputation for getting guys to play defense. Wes had been an assistant for the Denver Nuggets for 6 seasons, 2015 2016 through 2020-2021. He in December 2020 was promoted to associate head coach for the Nuggets. He oversaw the Nuggets defensive game plans. One of the best measures of NBA defense is defensive rating, which is points allowed per 100 possessions per NBA.com. Here is the Nuggets ranking and defensive rating for each of Wes's last three regular seasons with the Nuggets. 2018-2019-2019 number 10, 2019, 2020, number 16, 2020, 2021, number 11. Uh, the Nuggets' top three players, Nikola Jokic, Jamal Murray, and Michael Porter Jr., were not known to be very good defensive players, and yet Wes got those guys to D up. But he, for whatever reasons, never got the Wizards to consistently... Here is the Wizards' ranking (laughs) in defensive rating for each of Wes's three regular seasons as Wizards head coach. 2021-2022, number 25. 2022-2023, number 21. And 2023-2024, as of games through Wednesday, number 29. Defense in basketball is about effort and buy-in and communication. Coaching can make a big difference in defense in basketball. Wes Unseld Jr. as Wizards head coach did not do anything close to making a big difference in the Wizards defense. Uh, the team's lack of success with him as head coach was far from all on him. So many of the Wizards problems have had to do with bad drafting and a bad culture. And those things have come from the front office far more than they came from Wes. But you know, there's no argument of, hey, Wes Unseld Jr. actually did a decent job as Wizards head coach or actually did a better job than you may think. No, <laughs> no, he did not. Uh, and so he actually winds up like his dad, like his pops, uh, one of the best players and one of the most important figures in franchise history. Uh Wes Unseld Sr., who died in June 2020 at the age of 74. He played for the Bullets from the 1968-1969 season through the 1980-1981 season. He was a great player. He was inducted into the Naismith Memorial Basketball Hall of Fame in 1988, but West Sr. also worked for the Bullets Wizards for years beyond his time as a player. Uh, he was the Bullets head coach from January 1988 to April 1994, and he served as an executive for the franchise, including being the general manager of, from May 1996 to June 2003. So West Sr. went from Washington head coach to Washington front office executive, and now West Jr. goes from Washington head coach to Washington front office executive. Well, the Wizards actually had a game on Thursday night, and they in Brian Keefe's debut as interim head coach lost, uh, the Wizards fell to 7-37 and in this NBA regular season with a 123-108 loss to the Utah Jazz at Capital One Arena on Thursday night uh the Wizards in this game looked as they had been looking with Wes Unsell Jr as head coach although Brian Keith just got named interim head coach so let's give him some time uh also the Jazz has been playing well now the Jazz on Thursday night did snap a three game losing streak but the Jazz on Thursday night also won for the 13th time in 18 games. But the Wizards in this game trailed for all of the second, third, and fourth quarters. The Wizards trailed by at least 12 points for all of the fourth quarter. Uh, The Wizards' defense really bad. Uh, They allowed the Jazz to score 123 points, allowed the Jazz to go 13 of 31 on threes and allow the Jazz to score 72 points in the paint and going 36 of 62 in the paint. Uh, The Wizards got out-rebounded by a bunch, 52-35, including having just five offensive rebounds to the Jazz's 13 and thus just seven second chance points to the Jazz's 18. And the Wizards' offense was mixed. They went just 7 of 30 on threes, did go 36 of 58 on twos, and did have 33 assists versus just 11 turnovers. This was another game at which point guard Tyus Jones had a ridiculous assist to turnover ratio. Drive up that trade price, Tyus. Uh, He in 34 minutes, 9 seconds as a starter had 14 assists versus no turnovers. Uh, He went 2 of 4 on threes and 3 of 8 on twos and also had 12 points and 6 rebounds. Tyus Jones, big time trade ship. For our Wizards, uh, Kyle Kuzma, 34 minutes, 18 seconds as a starter. He went just one of eight on threes and committed five turnovers. But he also went 11-16 on twos and one of one on free throws. He finished with 26 points, six rebounds and five assists. Marvin Bagley III, he in 16-11 off the bench, went four of five from the field, all twos. Uh, did go just six to six of nine on free throws. He finished with 14 points and three rebounds. A long day for the Wizards. In a long season for the Wizards, uh, we prior to this loss to the Jazz had a joint press conference featuring monumental basketball president Michael Winger and Wizards general manager Will Dawkins. This was Dawkins. There's things stylistically that we
3: want to see on the court. Um, Specifically, we, we know our energy wasn't always there. We know our competitiveness was not always there. And defensively, there were nights that were unacceptable. And those are things that we want to continue to work on, and we think that a fresh voice right here, right now, is what we need, and also for the betterment of the future. And we're intentional. We're deliberate. These conversations are never easy. No one likes to have them. Um, No one likes to have days like this, but we talked about it, and we feel it's what's best for the organization, and the plan is still the plan to move forward with that.
1: All right, next up for the Wizards at the NBA worst Detroit Pistons Saturday at noon in a battle of the two worst teams in the NBA. Well, perhaps slightly more anticipated than Wizards Pistons this weekend is the NFL's Conference Championship Sunday. (laughs) Uh, We have the AFC Championship game, the Kansas City Chiefs at the Baltimore Ravens this Sunday afternoon at 3. We have the NFC Championship game, the Detroit Lions at the San Francisco 49ers this Sunday evening at 6.30. Underdog Fantasy offers a daily pick 'em games that are super easy and fun just correctly pick whether certain players in each game will go higher or lower given totals and you win simple as that Underdog Fantasy is the best and easiest place to play Fantasy sports, and it has a great offer for listeners of the Al Goldie podcast: a deposit match of up to a hundred dollars for all new customers who sign up with the promo code Goldie and who make a first deposit of at least ten dollars. Uh, I have two plays for Chiefs Ravens. Uh, the game, of course, a battle of uh, maybe the two best quarterbacks in the NFL: Patrick Mahomes versus Lamar Jackson. And so, let us make some quarterback plays. Uh, the higher, lower. Total for rushing yards for Chiefs quarterback Patrick Mahomes is 26 and a half. I am going higher on that. And the higher lower total for touchdown passes by Ravens quarterback Lamar Jackson is one and a half. I am going higher on that. But there is so much to choose from with these higher lower plays. Get on board with Underdog Fantasy. Check out underdogfantasy.com or download the Underdog Fantasy app and take advantage of the special offer for listeners of the Al Galdi podcast, a deposit match of up to $100 for all new customers who sign up with the promo code Galdi and who make a first deposit of at least $10. And that will do it for you and me for now. Keep the feedback coming. You can hit me up on x at Al Galdi. You can email me, the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. Monday show, episode 750. We'll have a lot for you on the Commanders. We shall see where things stand in the head coaching search. Also on Monday's show, I'll talk Capitals, Wizards, and college basketball. The Caps have one game this weekend. They are at the Dallas Stars Saturday afternoon at 2. In the Caps' last game until February 6th due to their bye week and then the NHL All-Star break. Uh, The Wizards have one game this weekend. They are at the NBA Worst Detroit Pistons Saturday at noon and college basketball this weekend. Maryland is home to Nebraska Saturday at noon. Georgetown is at Providence Saturday afternoon at 12.30. Virginia is at Louisville Saturday at noon. And Virginia Tech is home to Georgia Tech Saturday evening at 5. Have a great weekend, and I'll talk to you on Monday.
2: For the third time in 10 years, Joe Gibbs and the Redskins scaled the heights of football greatness. The 1991 Washington Redskins are an honor to the team's glorious past and the world champions of pro football's present.